0: You're watching and listening to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger coming to you live um, on this Veterans Day, and we've got a lot of college football to talk about. I've got a lot of tears to cry, um, but here we are.
1: I was telling, I was, we were talking about it just before the show started, and yeah, the uh, the difference in your mood from the beginning of the year until now is. Has to be pretty stark. If, if anybody's listening, and has some time to go back and pull some some clips from earlier in the year. Maybe just go to the show where Ali predicted you have to go twelve and zero. That that might be a good one. But uh, <laughs>
0: I did uh, not predict you have to go twelve and zero. You I didn't said, predict them
1: to win, Go twelve and zero. You said they win every game. Okay, I get it. No, what
0: different. I said <laughs> was that I thought they lost two. I just didn't think that either of those would be to Georgia. I thought one would be to Alabama and one would be one that we weren't expecting, but I wasn't going to predict Florida to lose because I don't like doing that. And that Florida had the ability, the capability to beat everyone on their schedule, which is still think, the case.
1: I don't think so. I don't think they had the capability well, to beat Georgia this year. So I, maybe I anybody besides that. Um, but I'll, I'll say you said, you're right. You said that they would lose to somebody that was unexpected. And what ended up happening is they just ended up doing. They ended up proving that prediction right several oh, times. So you again. ended up being more right than you ever thought. Like you, you essentially nailed it. Nailed it. I was. Gonna that's say, usually that's what happens
0: it. in my house. So I'm glad to see that you know my streak continues.
1: <laughs> um, Hey, you went to Disney yesterday, another day where you don't invite <laughs> me to go to Disney. Uh, but how how was Wait, uh, how was Wait, I part think part?
0: everyone should know. TJ says, You never invite me to Disney and I say, All right, well we're going tomorrow. Do you want to go you can't and tell like,
1: somebody last second no? Well, I don't like, have
0: tickets can't... and I don't <laughs> so I thought you had a pass the way that you said that to me. Like you never invite me. Like we go a I lot because we have pass. Disney passes, so I we're just trying a pass to if I don't know. Take advantage of having them. We try and celebrate all the kids' birthdays, like, at some point by going on a day there. And on their actual day, I hate going on the weekends. I feel like it's just so crowded. Um, And Eric had a conference during the week, the week of their birthday. So he wasn't available to go. And I sure as hell am not taking four children to Disney alone. So, So here we were. We went yesterday. It poured, like... 90% of the time we were there, which is funny because I kept checking the weather and it said between like 15% like was two days before and then the day of it said 24% chance of rain and and it was but it was for like a limited period of time we're like, Oh, that's perfect. Hopefully it happens and then it will weed a few people out of the park like it literally bored
1: the whole time
0: from about 11 o'clock in the morning and it was still pouring by the time we left. Um, so we were soaked. Hayden was crying by the end. He was like, I don't want any more ride, any more rides. I just got to go home. I'm so cold um, because her clothes were soaked through. I didn't bring my children rain jackets because again, the percentage of rain was pretty and small. Just Disney, um, Right. Like, I like, I don't know. I'm not one of those tourists that's going to have 87 ponchos in my bag and you know, Jackets for every the, type of even weather. If it makes
1: the kids cry.
0: I mean, yeah, toughen up.
1: <laughs> um
0: life's too rough, babe.
1: So <laughs> you know who goes to Disney a lot is uh little Lily. I wish I was Melissa's kid. Well, like that's, yeah, that's, but let's they, they have
0: I, a past uh, too and they Yeah, but I'll that. just look
1: yeah, but they go like Twice a week. I feel like she's posting on Instagram. Right uh, she's done a now.
0: lot the last, the last few weeks. But truly, nine times out of ten, they well, the go with us.
1: The baby's finally old enough to where, like, you know, it's starting to be more fun. It's hard to take them when they're well, really, really, small. But and older now.
0: One-on-one, it's great. It's just Melissa and Lily, they can go for a couple hours, go home, or they'll go to Chef Mickey's or whatever. It's a little bit harder once you have more than one to yeah. uh, plot by yourself.
1: Yeah, or four more than or three more than one for sure. Right. So, all right. So, from bad weather on yesterday to bad football uh, last Saturday, we'll start with you guys and then we'll go to us. Um, Florida goes to South Carolina and just, uh, you know, I don't even know what to say about this, but uh, absolutely gets just whipped. By South Carolina, loses 40 to 17. I was talking with, you know, not to pile on, but I'll pile on here. Not to, um, I won't say any names, but I was talking with somebody on the UF beat. um, And they were so shocked because this is like South Carolina is bad, you know. Right. But this is like a historically bad South Carolina, like bad on the levels of like pre spurrier South Carolina. And so, you know, Florida went into this game with so much more talent, an mm-hmm. absolute edge. What, what we would assume would be an edge on, you know, from a, from a coaching, coaching perspective standpoint, sure. and, and man, you know, kind of can't, and, and you kind of like thought like, Oh, they may kind of come out slow, but like had an early lead, you know, it was, it was seven to three UF, um, near the end of the, the first quarter. And then it was even 10 to 10. Um, at one point, but then from there, just the absolute wheels fall off. South Carolina yeah. goes on a 30 to nothing run. And then Florida scores late to make it look a little bit better, you know, at 40 to 17, if that is better. But um yeah, Florida just looked absolutely awful um in every facet of the game from, you know, coaching to special teams to offense to defense like there was nothing redeeming right. about, about what Florida did. I, again started the game okay. it was 10 to 10 at one point right um, but then from there the second and third quarter the wheels just absolutely fell off. Um, and much like the game the week before, a, a turnover it, it was it was 20 to 13 and Florida had the ball and you're kind of thinking like okay, they score here score to start the second half they'll you know kind of be in good shape. Sure. Um a fumble return uh touchdown by South Carolina ends up pretty much putting the nail in the coffin at halftime. It was thirty to ten. And at that point I think everybody kind of thought like crap, we're we're about to lose again. So right. uh, not a great display well, by Florida this weekend.
0: So I don't um I don't know that I think that there's a lot of that a lot that I care to compare to between Florida and Georgia and Florida, and South Carolina, outside of the fact that obviously turnovers were a huge factor in both games. I think the kind of performance Florida had against Georgia is far more excusable than the kind of performance they had against South Carolina. Absolutely. So, I mean, while I think that Florida did a lot to beat themselves against Georgia, I think I, I still believe had that last two and a half minutes before halftime gone differently, that the game would have looked very different. I think the outcome potentially could have been different. Maybe it's not, but it's a lot closer. Um, that loss doesn't bother me like this loss bothers me. This is a South Carolina team who you're absolutely correct. Doesn't have the same level of talent that Florida has is supposed to not have the same level of coaching that Florida has. But the thing that I struggled with the most watching this is that I, there were, I was watching people give up left Mm -hmm. and right. I really generally hesitate to comment on that because I personally despise the, media the fans that want to comment on the effort that they think they're seeing from guys when this is a job that they've never done right like i don't it's very easy for a armchair quarterback to talk about what a player is doing wrong or the kind of effort that they're putting in or what's going on with them mentally i think that's kind of a dangerous line to walk and i don't generally like doing it but when i offensive lineman literally blocking no one while people run by them, or I watch linebackers stop where they are in pursuit, or DBs give up on a route that ends up being caught. It's really hard as a fan, as an alumni, as someone that does know about football to to fathom that. Now, I do think it's important to note how many people Florida was missing because of the flu. I was interested to see reports of that started to come out like right before kickoff and it always uh, you know is it real is that going to be used as an excuse after the game is over is it it like i always question those things supposedly it was it was very real the number of players that florida left i do think that Potentially can explain some of the collapse in the second half because it, you know if you've ever had the flu, uh, it, that week by the end of a sixty-minute game you are spent. You're done. That said,
1: um, let me let me jump in. The Second half, South Carolina outscored Florida ten to seven. So I, I don't yeah. think there was. I, I don't. Here's my no, here's well, my question on here'd be my question on that is uh, some of those reports started coming out um, that morning. Yeah, Florida State that they would be missing twenty to twenty-five guys, yeah. and they were missing quite a few guys. Yeah. But they were only missing five guys on the two deep. So on right. the on the first right. two, so a well, lot of the guys. I don't cried. know. I would love to know what that number was for Florida. Yeah. and, I'm just and I don't convinced. know, right? I don't like, know the did answer. It, did it seem like just from the from the box score? Emery played. Pierce played. Malik Davis played. Copeland so played. Naquan Emery tes- tested played.
0: positive for the flu the morning of the game. Um. Anthony Richardson hurt his knee. This is, which, honest to God, if I'm Dan Mullen, I don't know that I ever let this story see the light see the light of day because mixed with all of the you other things going on, did
1: he get fired by letting that story no, out? No, like, no. Well, just like pay me the buyout money. Like I'm going to go ahead and. Why but, would you ever tell the story like that? Like so, just, but Anthony, he lies the all the, the time. Just lie.
0: The story is that Richardson was cleared on Thursday. Practiced a little bit hurt his knee dancing in the team hotel on Friday. Now, I'm not saying college kids shouldn't have fun. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a loose and light, you know, Friday before a game or whatever, but it just he's not available, not because of the concussion protocol that has kept him out, you know, the days before, but because he injured his knee dancing, which is why Emery, who did test positive for the flu that morning, had to play. I don't know that I saw such a huge difference in Emery's performance between Saturday and the previous Saturdays to be like, oh yeah, I could tell he had the flu. But he it doesn't up, it, it doesn't help, right? And I don't know which of our guys tested positive, which which practice, which didn't. I will just tell you, I would love to have been in the locker room this past week to see what I don't. Did players give up? Maybe. I don't know. Was the flu that big of a factor? Maybe. I just, it seemed like a very different team. There seemed like very little fight. It seemed like a lot of people gave up. That was disheartening for me to see because it's the first time this season that I've really felt that, that I've really felt like there was a lack of effort. Now, not running the right, right route, not reading the defense correctly, not whatever, those are all problems, but I don't know that they're necessarily an effort problem. What I saw on Saturday was an effort problem. It was a, a lack of fire, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of caring. And that is dangerous, right? That's that's a problem. That's absolutely. way more of a problem than any of the previous problems that I think that this team has been dealing with.
1: So, yeah, a couple of points there. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a massive problem because – And I don't, there may have, there's probably a lot of factors to it. I think so too. I think there's a lot of things going on. One is when you have built up your entire season around one game and trying to win that one game, the weekend of Halloween, and you get absolutely beat down in that one. And then it's like, what, what did UF, I mean, there's pride and the school colors and all, but what did UF really have to play for this weekend? Right? Like, a lot. You, like, I don't think I, dis- so like,
0: I disagree that Florida builds their you. whole season around Georgia. I think fans but, do. Yeah, I don't think that that's how it's coached in the locker room. I don't. I, I, it's I, never I, been the way that it's been coached.
1: Well, I don't know. Then how do you explain? I don't know. I, I'm just trying to offer slight possibilities for why. Wow. Because with the, with the flu and everything else, Florida was much, much more talented. Absolutely. Than South Carolina. And, and listen, and, and whether lose, or not like, they didn't lose like on a fluky play, like a blocked field goal. Sure. Or, I mean, they, they got I mean, they soundly got beaten.
0: Soundly so, beat.
1: And guys, quitting. I am a
0: hungrier South Carolina team. Absolutely. Yeah, and so,
1: guys, but guys whether quitting or not and everything else, like I think there's an absolute letdown. And I'm not saying that the, that, I think, I'll say this, I mean, maybe not completely built around beating Georgia, but everyone in that locker room knows that that is the biggest game on the schedule every year. That's the game. And so, once you lose that one, what is the motivation left? Right. Yeah. Like, what is the motivation to get up? And so, I'm not saying that UF coaches complete like it's this game and all. Like, we can go one yeah. and as long as we win this. So, let me take it back just a little bit. But there's, there's a little bit of, there, there's definitely hype around that game. And once sure. you lose that one, and once you can't get to Atlanta and, well, everything the door else, is
0: now closed on all of your goals. What is, so at that point, you are playing for pride. You're playing for each other. And that's very right. different than playing for these long term goals that they had for themselves that other, You know, fans had things at the end of the season.
1: And what I'll say is the Florida is a much more talented team than South Carolina. And they're a much more talented team than Florida State is. And Florida State has had every, and we'll get into the Florida State game here in a minute. And and I guess I'm about to play the moral victory thing here. But Florida State didn't go out and quit against North Carolina State. And they've got less wins than Florida. And they've been a bigger dumpster fire for years and years and years. And they're playing a ranked team. And right. Florida State was playing without their starting quarterback. And I know right. the controversy between Emory and Richardson, but the drop-off right. is negligible, if anything, this year. Like, they've had very comparable seasons. And right. so what it looked like, and obviously we'll get to some changes and things that have gone on at Florida a little later in the show, but what when you see a Florida State team that went through the same stuff with the flu, the same stuff with being a bad team, even worse stuff with losing your starting quarterback – Playing a better team, NC State is objectively better than South Carolina. Like, there's like nobody's going to question that. Playing a ranked team as opposed to a team that is historically bad, it looks like guys are still bought in with Norvell, and they weren't on Saturday with Mullen. I'm saying the outcome
0: was the same, right? The outcome was the same. They both lost.
1: Absolutely, but would you rather see your guys quit during the game or keep fighting and and have it and have it so? And that's what I'm saying. It looks. It looked on Saturday. I'm not saying that the next three games are going to look like this. I don't know, but it looked on Saturday like Norvell's team is still bought in and mulling. Yeah, yeah. And And you know, I think um, argue that. No,
0: I'm not. I mean, I'm not arguing that. I think. um, I just think it's important to note that the outcome is the same. I. I don't like what I saw on Saturday. I, you know, <laughs> sat next to Eric, who really didn't like, um, you know, what he saw on Saturday, and I was really interested to see where we go from here. Actually, said to Scott, my brother, who you're friends with, um, on Sunday, I was like, listen we got to get rid of Grantham and we got to get rid of Hevesy today. And he was like – I
1: said Hevesy earlier um, this year and you told me that he wasn't a bad coach. I just want to – Well, and I don't don't think
0: Hevesy's a bad coach, but what I saw out of the offensive line on Saturday was so disconcerting to me that I don't know where you go with him as your coach right now because of what that looks like. And add in the fact that he is not considered a great recruiter by any stretch of the imagination, I don't know – The positive. But the interesting thing that Scott said was like, oh, man, no way. You do not fire your offensive line coach in the middle of the season. You got to wait till the end of the season. He's like coordinator is an easy position to fill in. You have multiple position coaches on defense that you just have step up to be defensive coordinator. Offensive line is a totally different ballgame. He's like the only way that happens is if you're completely desperate, because then a grad assistant ends up as your uh, interim coach for the rest of the season. And he's like, and Lord knows that's probably not better. And then that's literally exactly what happened, um, which was which was interesting. And you know, Scott Scott played half the of his time at Florida on offense and half on defense, so he's got a kind of an interesting perspective because he sat in the meeting rooms literally for both sides of the ball, um, and he was really surprised at the move. But I think, and I had been told um, by by somebody pretty high up within uh, the program. Three weeks ago, that Grantham was for sure going to be gone by the end of the year. That like Grantham knew that 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 was a that that was the case. So if what Mullins said was true that some of these things were going to be happening eventually, I think he probably knew Hevesy was going to be gone, but he wanted to handle it at the end of the season. And I think that this loss forced his hand because it really did become kind of them or me, right? There something drastic had to happen. Yeah, it
1: was reported on. Show- on Sunday morning, on like the mm-hmm. message boards and stuff like that. I don't know if it was Gator Country, the rivals on the 247, whatever, but it was reported that, you know, Strickland and Mullen got into it pretty good. I in heard the that. Tunnel yeah. And the conversation was it's them or you. Like, you, yeah. You, and basically, not them or you. I'm sorry. You need to make changes or we. Yeah.
0: Right. And I did, um,
1: in that that report and and somebody
0: told me about what they read on 24 seven. I talked to Eric about it and he was like, I mean, it would be really out of, he's like, I I don't understand why they'd have that conversation in the tunnel instead of having that conversation on the plane they're about to get back on or, or in the locker room or whatever. Um, so I do like, I'm not saying that that didn't happen by any means. I just think it's interesting that it would happen there versus all of the other places privately that it could happen. Um, But I think these were two good moves, right? I think um, in the press conferences that Mullen has done since then, he seems lighter. And so that does make me think that there's a possibility that he thought that these were changes that needed to happen all along, but his loyalties and personal relationships did weigh heavy on him. He is known as an incredibly loyal guy. Prior to this, he's fired one assistant in his entire career as a head coach. People do like to work for him. He is very loyal to them, but it was a situation where Mullen needed to do something to prove that he was still all in that. He acknowledged that this isn't acceptable and acknowledged that there has to be big changes in order to turn this around. Now I will be interested to see what other changes come, right? I'm interested to see how Florida plays on Saturday. Um, the I'm glad that Grantham is gone, especially because now there's been some reports that have come out that he has really made it a toxic work environment there. I don't know whether or not that's true or not. Those That's just some of the stories that have kind of been leaked out. It's not something that I personally heard while, you know, the season was going on or previous seasons or anything like that. But that is, you know, kind of the reports now. I don't really know how much you can change outside of getting players that maybe weren't bought in with Grantham to buy in with Christian Robinson. I don't know that in a week we're going to see anything drastically different. If I'm Robinson, the thing that I concentrate on is fundamentals. You're not installing a new scheme at this point. Um, You can make tweaks, but you're not overhauling anything in the next three weeks. But the thing that you do have control over are things like tackling, being in position, things that Florida hasn't been doing that really should be where your defense starts. Right. So uh, I hope Gator fans aren't expecting to see like this entirely new team because I just don't know how that's possible in six days. But I think if we see fight and fire, that that's a sign of improvement. Um,
1: yeah. It'd be I, good to see guys that don't quit in the middle. Right. Of the game, right. Like, and, know, and because, you know, you're you're playing another bad team. Sure, sure, but,
0: uh, a team that you're so far overmatched about. Yeah. But effort is effort, right? And and
1: yeah, and how do you get up for Sanford? Right, like they're going to beat Sanford. Sanford's really, really bad. This is not like a Jacksonville State team or somebody that like could upset. Like Sanford's really, really bad. Not like on that tier at all. But how do you get up for it? Right, right. like do you get. I mean, are they going to win the game? 35 to 17, you know, just underwhelm. Uh, there's not even a line for this game. Like that's how right. big like that's right. how that's how big of a favorite Florida is. Like there's not right. even a line set. It's not even like a yeah. 41 point line or something crazy like that. But then the next two weeks they have to play a Missouri team which is favored against South Carolina who just beat the hell out and of it.
0: And has a really and, really talented running yeah. back and Florida's and, been struggling against the run.
1: And then they have to play a Florida State team that, mm-hmm. again, I think there's – I said last week I thought Florida would beat Florida State by two touchdowns. I, I might put that down to one by now, just seeing what Florida did last week. But I still think Florida's better than Florida State. But if they go out and lay an egg against Missouri and lose that game, I think – Yeah, team I, don't know I, the, think it's, I don't know that – I don't think, think- – I think the team will completely quit. I, I, I don't, don't think, think that
0: the talent gap is big enough between Florida and Florida state for effort to not be a, a factor in that game. Right. No, so if Florida, Florida, state,
1: Florida state's then, biggest, what is Florida state's biggest strength is their running game.
0: Well, and, and let's so, be honest, if Florida so, like, state beats Florida, it makes their season. It doesn't matter what else has happened. If this particular Florida state team figures out a way to beat Florida, their season has become incredibly successful. I, wouldn't and, call
1: it, I mean, they're still going to be under 500, so I wouldn't call it incredibly successful. Like, I'll, I'll disagree with that wholeheartedly. You don't
0: think Florida think it, fans would have a totally a, different outcome on this season if they figure out a way to beat Florida?
1: I think that some of it is the fact of realizing where Florida is. Like, beating Clemson would have been nice, but then also realizing this is the worst Clemson team, you know, since 2010 – puts perspective on things like sure. Florida, if Florida was 11 and one or 10 and one going into that game and you beat them, that's one thing. But like yeah. Florida is an absolute dumpster fire too. I mean, Florida's four and five right now. They have one right. more win than Florida state, you know, like, I, you know, I don't would, will fans of either team enjoy winning? Yes. Yeah. That's not my point, but well, I don't think it makes the season a success. Yeah. Like, you're still missing a bowl. You still lost more than you won. You still had an inexplicable loss. Um, I think what that game will, and we'll talk about it more as we get a little closer. I think what that game is going to come down to is whether or not Jordan Travis plays. You know, yeah. Florida State yeah. has won. Uh, interesting stat. Florida State has won uh, six games over the last two years. Jordan Travis was the, they won seven games. Jordan Travis was the starter in all six, in six of them. And in the seventh one, he came in off the bench and won interesting. that one last year. Mm-hmm. So um, Florida State's record this year with Jordan Travis starting is three and three. Uh, those three losses being to Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State, two ranked teams, and a team that was still much better than you, even though they're not ranked. Right. So if Travis plays, I think Florida State will be in it. If he doesn't, I think Florida will win by like ten. You know, like I they just, um, I, I, I just don't think Florida's off. I think Florida's offense right now. I mean, Grantham gets so much heat, and uh, Grantham gets so much blame, and we've talked about this all year, <laughs> but for for Mullen to go out and. Really, only put up what ten points against South Carolina, seven late to make it look a little better. The offense is an absolute dumpster fire as well. Like it's not like it's not like oh man, the the defense is terrible and cost us this game when the offense is really really bad too. And
0: yeah, that's kind of well, what it
1: down to is last year, Florida and Florida State played. The defense was no good, and Florida State may have put up a touchdown or two. But this year, like Florida's offense doesn't scare anybody except for maybe its own fans. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that. I don't think Florida's going to run up the score on Florida State. You know, I just don't think they have an offense built to do that. I don't know.
0: I I don't know where the offense went that scored as many points as they did against Alabama. I I think that Florida has the the capacity. They've done it this season. I don't know. I mean, but this is a Florida team that's on teams
1: mostly. uh, But
0: I mean, but Alabama's not a bad team.
1: What'd you guys score against Alabama?
0: Like thirty-five.
1: Was it thirty
0: five? I don't know. Let me. I gotta Google now. It's been too long. I think you're making stuff up. I think it was like. Let's see. It was twenty nine. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not that's not bad, right? Like that's that is not bad against the defense that Alabama that Alabama puts up. I think that Florida is capable of scoring points. I think that
1: a little bit um, this year, but I agree with that.
0: But they're not worse than Florida State's. You know, like they're not. They're. I I would. Florida's offense has declined it's interesting because it's not like there's any key pieces that are missing. So it's hard to figure out exactly what the decline is. I would like to see the Pierce get more carries. Pierce is averaging like seven yards a touch or something crazy like that, but he's seeing the ball six or seven times a game. I would like to, instead of running back by committee, I would love for him to get the majority of those touches. I think that that helps. I think that he is, he is always good for positive yardage when he touches the ball. Um, I, I just think Florida's problems in my opinion are not something that are fixed in a week or in three weeks, Florida needs um, a culture change. And I, if I'm Dan Mullen, the coach that I get rid of, and, and I hesitate to say this because I, he's gotten great reviews, you know, the four years that he's been here with Mullen. I know that our players like him, I, if I'm Dan Mullen, the coach that I am most concerned about replacing is Savage, the strength and conditioning coach. I Discipline starts with your strength and conditioning program. This coach is the captain of your ship for seven and a half months out of the year. He is the second most important coach outside of your head coach. And whether or not this is actually his fault or not, replacing him is the easiest way to get immediate culture change. It would be very difficult for Savage to all of a sudden come in tomorrow and say, all right, we got a totally different game plan. I've got a totally different attitude. We're doing everything completely different. We have no discipline. We're starting over from scratch. The guys are used to him and whatever way he coaches, just as he is. You could bring in a new strength and conditioning coach who's never met these players and that is, Attitude can completely change. And I think that's what he has to do. I think this is bigger than replacing any one position coach or coordinator. This is a team that is not um, particularly disciplined. I don't know that they know that they're not disciplined. I'm not saying like they're, these are not guys that are like throwing a shoe, you know, or things like that. Like they're not doing things that are blatantly disrespectful or things like that. But Urban Meyer used to have a, say, a saying where he would say, give me four to six seconds of relentless effort. And he would say that about each play. If you can give me four to six seconds of relentless effort, we will win this ball game. And that is how he would break down a game to players, is four to six seconds of relentless effort. And when I watched on Saturday, there were very few people that I saw doing that. And supposedly- that started-
1: Supposedly, Anthony Richardson did that on Friday night and gave up, well, Florida, and that's how he broke his leg. Well, of legs, is leg. I heard break his leg. I was thinking of a break. But,
0: of and you know, there have been little signs throughout the season that have made me think this. I think we've talked about it on a previous pod. Um, you know, that viral video of Florida specialists pretending that they're a human, like stationary bike on the sidelines and things like that. If you, you hate think
1: kids having fun,
0: if you think that flies in, on Sabin's sideline, please they would be sacrificed at halftime in the locker room if you think that would fly on kirby's sidelines if you think that would fly on Dabo's sidelines like if you think that would have flown on must sidelines it wouldn't have those are not
1: meyer would have his head exploded so you think that Dan hiring a new strength and conditioning coach will help him get better discipline on the team? Obviously yes, that, because obviously that's an issue right now. Is I
0: think Yes. So your your discipline starts with your strength coach. Your toughness, both mentally and physically, come from your strength coach. Dan can dictate the playbook from the top, uh, but that strength and conditioning coach is the one coach on this Field that has control of these players for the longest. There's a massive period of time over the summer where he's the only coach these players see, and I just—we are not looking at tough players. We are not looking at um, you know guys that that have this massive will and desire to maul the guy across the line from them, and all of that comes from your strength and conditioning. So I know that, you know, players love to post all these pictures of them when they came in and what they looked like with their shirt off and then what they look like after they've been in Savage's program for a year and stuff. And I'm in no way debating that he has helped them make major physical changes, but this is not a disciplined or a tough team. So whether or not this is actually Savage's problem and it might not be his fault, right? It might not be his fault at all, but the quickest way to make a change is with your strength and conditioning coach. So maybe it's that he's getting sacrificed and this is not actually his deal. But the the very easiest way for a culture change is your strength and conditioning coach. And or your indeed, head coach. I mean, but then your head coach, every coach is getting replaced right. under there too.
1: I just want so, to know how much of this is Mullen's fault and how much it's Savage's. Cause it seems to be, you know, well, Mullen's fault, the Heather's CEO, control. right?
0: Like at the end of the day, it, everything falls on your head coach, your head coach. And same thing as your quarterback. They get too much praise when you win and too much blame when you lose, but that's your job when you are the man in charge. I'm not trying to take blame away from Mullen. What I'm trying to say is the in my opinion, the best and quickest way to fix the problem while keeping Dan as the head coach, which is what the powers that be want to happen right now, right? If if Strickland was planning on firing Dan Mullen, they don't fire our offensive line and our defensive coordinator three weeks left in the season. There's no point. They wait for those three weeks to be over. They clean house. They let the new staff bring in whoever they want. Do there is
1: mean, zero think- reason. Do you think that if they lose to Missouri and Florida State, Mullen gets fired?
0: I think that there's that. I think it's a possibility. I think, um, I think if they lose to Sanford, he for sure is out 100%. Yeah. He's About, gone. They
1: lose to I don't think they well, do I either. Think he's but I think run up and run like a, I, like a, like a, like a dive every play and they'll beat Sanford.
0: I think it depends on what you see, right? I think if you, I, in my mind, if Florida puts, puts, pass, puts out. Full effort. I don't see how you could possibly lose to Missouri or Florida State. So I I preface that with what I'm about to say, but I think it depends on how they lose. If they were to lose to both of those, if they're in dogfights that they fully participate and seem engaged in, I they think that is different. Either. I agree with that, but I'm this is I'm I'm telling you how I think they keep him versus firing him. But I think that it's hard to keep him if you lose those two games. I think that it's this administration's goal and vision that they do keep him. I think that Dan is, has more time. I talked to um, somebody who, I don't even know how to say this without somebody that would know. And they essentially told me that, that they want this to work with Mullen, which is part of these assistant uh, firings now. And so I don't, I, I, it would have to depend on how it played out. I hope that's not how it plays out. I hope that's not how it happens. I do think it's, important for gator fans to realize you're not going to see a completely different team in the next three day, three weeks that would be awesome but our players are still who our players are our system is what our system is and so if for a major change to happen that's going to happen in the offseason hopefully enough change happens that they get out of these three games and we move on
1: yeah i uh yeah the road doesn't get much easier as we've kind of talked about in the past um you know, we mentioned the Utah game to start the year last year and I kind of was crapping on Utah a little bit and then they went out and
0: But Utah's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Utah actually looked really good last week. And so, um, you know, you, you talked about earlier uh, in the show that to start the year this year, you thought Florida had the propensity or the ability to beat every team on the schedule. I'd agree with that except for Georgia, but um, you know, next year I think they've got the propensity to lose to, almost any team on the schedule. I think the Utah game is going to be tough. I think Kentucky's trending the right way. I think Tennessee's trending the Tennessee right way. Tennessee is absolutely trending the right good. way. We play Eastern Washington and USF, and that's a couple of wins. But uh, Missouri, I think that's a win too, back at home. But then you've got LSU, you play Georgia, you play at Texas A&M, you play a South Carolina team that beat your brains in. Obviously, you're going to beat Vandy. And then you have to go to dope. And so right. you could be looking at another eight and four season next year, which obviously yeah. you'd take eight and four this year because you can't get there, but um, interesting to see for sure. And uh, you know, it, it feels like, and and not to say that Mullen cannot turn it around. Um, but typically when you see a drop-off in college football, you don't, you don't see coaches be up, go up and drop off and then somehow like resurrect their own program. Usually Brian you don't, Kelly don't. Yeah. I, and so it's happened. Can you think of many other examples or I, I don't think there's a ton. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's fairly rare. So is Dabo
0: um, on his way out?
1: I don't know. That's an interesting one. You know, they definitely, you know, have fallen off much harder than anyone would have thought that they would. Um, but comparing Dabo and Mullen, Dabo who had I'm not multiple, comparing Dabo da- yeah. and
0: Mullen. You just comparing, asked for examples. Comp- so I'm trying comparing
1: to- Comparing their- Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm looking for examples of teams that have built it back up. Right? Like, after yeah. watching it fall, like, Bowden couldn't do it. You know, Meyer saw the writing on the wall. like, I'm out of here too. You know, like, it's, it's hard to, once you slip and somebody mm-hmm. else kind of jumps in front of you, Rick couldn't do it. You know it's very hard to build it back up. Not impossible. Not saying that Mullen can't do it. Rick saw- was consistently mediocre
0: basically the entire time. There was no like rise and fall for him. He just was a perennial ten and two, and eventually that wasn't enough for Georgia. And it was hard because they loved him and he was a great person. So it's very difficult to justify firing a, a perennial ten and two coach because it's very hard to find someone that best that and. I so, mean I so don't, I Orgeron, don't know that I think
1: Orgeron Kirby, couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. Got up, down. I'm trying yeah. to think of like other coaches, you know, that have rebuilt their own program once they've slept. Yeah. It's
0: to be very, fair, I don't know that Ordron has had I think that his firing had a lot to do with a lot of off the field things mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know if given the time probably, if he would but, come back or not. But probably,
1: but you know, winning fixes everything. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I just there, I mean, it's been two
0: years since they've won a national title. So most of the time, your coach that won a national title two years ago, regardless of what your record shows, they're not getting fired. So that was influenced by outside stuff. So I don't know that it's fair to lump him into the same category. He's not getting the opportunity to see if they could rise. So he fits into that technically. But so
1: it's very, so it's very rare, right? Is what yeah. I'm saying. It's very yeah. hard to, for a coach to
0: this is what I will say
1: after a slip because now you're seeing now you're seeing all that which I don't believe in momentum during games we can talk about that later but um I do think recruiting momentum is real and now you're Mm -hmm. seeing like a kid just decommitted this morning you know like kids are jumping all the kids are saying they're transferring stuff so like now nobody said
0: they transferred not a single person has announced that they've transferred that's not true Okay. Not a single player has said they're transferring. They have lost recruits. And honestly, if there's I'm a recruits a, parent. Going on
1: behind the scenes. I don't want to talk about that.
0: Okay. Well, and it's definitely not anything I've heard, I will say. So, but if you're a recruit, I understand it. Well,
1: and that's why, that's why, and that's why I'm saying it's so hard to do it. Cause now, you know, do you think Florida's recruiting class is going to be, and, and this is, this is the reason why. Do you think Florida's recruiting class, we've already talked about Mullins' struggles in recruiting, but do you think they're going to be better or worse now that they're essentially fighting right. for a bowl well, game, right? they're going to so, be worse, but they're so worse now, less now about the, the, the bowl talent. game
0: and more about the uncertainty, right? And Correct. if I'm a recruit Correct. parent, that's yeah. a concern yeah. for me too because I want to so, know who my so kids based are playing on that, for and what system they run because whether or not so, do they fit into it.
1: Right, right. I, I don't care what the reasoning is. Recruiting class is going to be worse. How are you closing the gap now with Alabama? Right. And no, and, I, and that's and why it's hard. And so, all that said, that's why it's hard for. And now, like Mullen's but, gotten his mulligan, right? He's gotten a fire grant that, like, he's made staff changes. They will never come to him again and say, "Okay, sure, for you to make that." So, like, change that's has why, to happen. But I think that the, when that's you- why it's so razor thin and why it's nearly impossible for once a team has slipped, once you've lost that recruiting momentum, like Florida. Like, the gap between – it's almost like – I'm not predicting the same thing is going to happen. I'm not saying that Florida is going to get this low because I do think Dan's ceiling – I'm sorry, Dan's floor is so much higher. But it's just like what's happened with Florida State and Clemson. Like, the gap is widening every single year. And what does Florida do to get that gap closer to Georgia? Now, what I think Florida can do is get back on the right track with beating Kentucky again, beating South Carolina again, beating Tennessee, beating those teams. But, like, how long does Mullen have – now to get that gap closer to Georgia. So you know? this is what I'll type.
0: all right. So a couple things about that. First of all, I think that with the struggles that have gone on, this recruiting class was shot whether they fire Mullen tomorrow or at the end of the season, or they retain him to next year. With the December signing class, it makes it incredibly difficult for a program that's not, you know, that's that's kind of wandering in their path, right? Because If they hire a new person, it's too late for him to get guys in by that December deadline. If they keep Mullen, but the players weren't sure what was going to happen or if he was going to be there around or not, there was going to be decommitments. And this class is not going to be great. By keeping Mullen, if they decide to keep Mullen, they're going to give him another year or two to see if the changes that he made play out. Because otherwise, there's no reason to let him make the changes to begin with. It doesn't make sense. To make the change, but not see whether that change has any effect on the outcome. I will say this about Mullen's recruiting. I do think it could be better. I want it to be better. I'm not debating that in any way. It bothers me when people say things like Mullen is such a horrible recruiter. When we look at the last two signing classes, they were seven and eight. It's not great. I don't want to be in the top 10. I want to be in the top five. I'm in no way saying seven or eight is the peak or it's acceptable, but seven or eight is not a horrible recruiter. That is a top 10 Recruiting class,
1: so I think I some think of that, that we're used to such hyperbole. Just to interject, I think some of the concern around that is like the hit rate on stuff, like guys that just haven't haven't panned out, like a little deeper than just the recruiting rankings, like what the final number but it's was. Not it's not like guys, that, is guys, guys that, never, that no one else guys wants. that it's guys that never see the field. It's guys that don't pan out. It's guys that end up transferring or don't have the grades. So I think that's kind of well, more of the complaint. With not, I'm not saying that the final number wasn't good. I think that's where more people's well, complaints. The come grades
0: in. are are hard. Florida has a higher standard than the NCAA minimum, um, and you can't necessarily predict how these guys are going to finish. And there are guys that do we not academically what know qualify at Florida. are when
1: you're recruiting them.
0: Well, you know what they are currently, sure, but they'll have a most of them have an entire last semester to close things out. But oh, there okay. also are players that. Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and other places take that Florida won't. And I'm not saying Florida's Harvard and that they only, you know, take straight A students. But it is a fact that Florida has higher academic standards than the NCAA minimum. So and Florida hasn't had a crazy transfer rate. They've had a few here and there, but they do not have a large transfer rate by by any means. I think it's fair to say some of these players haven't panned out. But Florida doesn't get a seven or eight ranking by signing guys that other people have zero interest in. So it's a crapshoot. Recruiting is a crapshoot. That's how this works out. I think it should be better.
1: Georgia and, and Alabama.
0: Well, when you get to completely handpick every single person that comes through there, that is the luxury of that. I want that to be Florida. I hope they get there. I think that well, one of the biggest things for Mullen is to hire
1: well, recruiters. I think, I think you're agreeing with me. Just in the fact that the recruiting is going to get worse, and so the gap between Florida and the elite schools is going to get wider, at least this year. We'll see what happens next year in the twenty twenty three cycle. I think that that's a fair statement. This is not
0: going to be a good signing class. There's not a whole lot that can be done whether you kept or fired Mullen to salvage what's going on right now.
1: That's what kind of tends me to believe, or tends to make me believe that it would be very, very difficult for Mullen to turn this around because now the talent gap is going to be even wider, and we wonder who the DC is going to be. Is he no, going to make a good hire this time? Is he going to hire I mean, a so. you new know, trade? I, no I,
0: I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. So I I think that hiring guys that are surefire recruiters is, is important. I know we've heard the name Doug Belk thrown around a lot. Interestingly, Doug Belk, um, who is the defensive coordinator currently uh, for Houston, he played with my brother-in-law. He played with Nick, uh, TJ, at Carson Newman. And he's from South Georgia. I think it's an interesting name. Supposedly a very good recruiter. Has got good South Georgia ties, which is helpful as well. Um, it's an interesting one. Gene Chizik is one that a few different people have bounced off me. I think that he's he's a Gator, so that's cool. I think he's a great coach. He has head coach experience. I think it's interesting. I would love to see Florida go young because I think that that's important um, for reaching these players. Um But these hires are important, right? This will make or break whether or not Mullen stays Florida's head coach. But I will tell you this much. I fully believe that if Florida were to fire Dan Mullen this year, they will be in the identical situation four years from now. And then we will have been looking at 20 years of Florida firing and hiring a coach every three to four years. And I don't think that that is a good pattern to be in. I would rather stick with someone and see if it can work out.
1: And that's exactly what Georgia did for all the years that Rick was there, right? That was – they thought this – they used that same logic. And I'm not saying you're wrong because obviously the chance exists that it works out. But – if you're in the same exact spot in four years after giving Mullen his chance to rebuild it or get it back to where you want it to be or whatever, the I don't know are. that I
0: think four but, years is enough time for that though. I think that's okay, the world okay. we whatever, live in right now for the, college football. What, I mean, but the
1: time frame. I don't. I don't care what the time frame is. However long Mullen is here, whether it's ten years and he wins two titles and we can look back and say like, look, Ali was right, he rebuilt it, or it's three more years and then they end up firing him then because you guys win. Between eight and eleven games for the next three years, and whatever you know, whatever the end ends up being, but um, that's the exact logic that kept Rick around. Was we're so close, we're so close, we're so close. And after that time, they all said, "Man, we wish we would have made this change." But here. I and also so, think that Georgia's right. change
0: was was strategic, right? I think that when it became. Abundantly clear that a Georgia alumni, up and coming, but but that makes a difference. If there was somebody out there,
1: I'm I'm talking about Florida. Florida's situation is this: they will either fire Mullen in the next year or so. Like next year, they go seven to five, they're firing him, like he's out. But they are either going to fire Mullen or keep him. And if they keep him and it works out, only two options, right? If You're saying right now that you don't want to be in the same position in four years, but because you had a new coach. What if you're in the same position? No, I'm not saying I don't want
0: to be. I'm saying we will be.
1: Okay, Florida will be
0: in this same situation in four years.
1: And there's also the possibility that you keep Mullen and you're in the same position in four years, right? I, I prefer that. And so, and so, then you'd be four years down the road and have no chance of getting. You know what I'm saying? Then you restart. So. The but big, you restart, the whether
0: you restart this year or you restart in four years or 10 years or whatever. But with Georgia, that move was strategic. They watched Kirby coming up. They watched what he did at Alabama. They knew he was ready. They knew he was a Georgia alum. It made sense. That is very similar to what Florida did with Ron Zook. We had a new school president who used to be the president of Utah, had experience with Urban Meyer, knew him personally, knew he would have interest in the job. It wasn't actually a massive risk when they let go of Ron Zook on that plane after they lost to Mississippi State and replaced him with Urban Meyer three weeks later because it was something that they already could see coming. There is not someone in college football today that I could name that I think— would be a more successful replacement for Mullen from the gate. When Florida did it with Meyer, they knew ahead of time. When Georgia did it with Kirby, they knew ahead of time. When Florida had no plan, we ended up with Muschamp and McElwain. And honestly, McElwain was a worse hire by far than Mullen, or excuse me, than Muschamp was. So I don't, indiscriminately firing your coach without a plan that you at least are pretty confident in working when you have a top 10 coach is illogical.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I want them to keep Mullen for as long as possible. You know, like the, I'm I'm completely on board with you on that. I don't think they should. I mean, I think that, you know, you you've watched a Florida team. You've watched. I know that you're going to hate this. But Florida won ten and eleven games with McElwain's players, and now we've got UF's players in here, and you can. Well, that's like Mallet,
0: Meyer did it with Zook's players. McElwain mm-hmm. was a better recruiter than he was coach.
1: Yeah, and Ron so Zook now, was a better recruiter so than he was coach. Now you're seeing the talent dwindle, and like Kirby said in his little recruiting snippet, it's not about coaching; it's about recruiting in this game. Do you think right. Kirby's a good coach?
0: Not particularly. I think he's okay.
1: I mean, I think he's not a, okay. I mean, he's think so he's a
0: better fundamentals coach, practice coach. I don't think he's a wonderful game day coach. So I don't want to say I don't think he's a good coach. I think he's yeah, a good Monday through he, Friday coach.
1: I think he's a fine. I think he's an average to about average coach, but he's an elite recruiter, you know? And so, Which is
0: wild, but those money bags that Georgia gives out, I guess are helpful because that swoop well, hair so, is not, it's not turning anybody by itself.
1: You know, so I, I don't know. I, I do think that Florida should, and I'm not saying necessarily this year, but I, you know, if it's going to happen eventually, it should just happen now. You know, and, and I think that, I, I just don't think Mullen is, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's ever going to close the gap with Georgia, right? Like, and so if that's kind of your standard, right? Is if you beat, beat Georgia
0: last year.
1: He literally beat Georgia last
0: year. and You can't tell me that this year's all Mullen's players and last year's all McIlwain's players. It didn't transfer over just like there.
1: that. That's. I mean, yes,
0: Trask was, but Trask, nobody who the wanted Trask. He
1: was in that game. It doesn't matter who wanted him or not. He was the difference. I mean, he was a freaking Heisman candidate that went yeah, in the first round. Yeah, he was, he was great. He was Florida good. had a lot
0: of great talent, so but was not performing like this when they didn't have Mullen as their coach.
1: And so now you, you think got, that if
0: McElwain coaches that team, they beat Georgia?
1: No, I don't. Right. I don't. But now that we've got Mullins players, I don't know if he ever beats Georgia again.
0: So get a few good recruiters or elite recruiters on your staff and let's go.
1: So what I'm interested to see, and somebody brought up a great point with this, is the how much, so we just talked about this, uh, the like Mullins out of Mulligan's. Sounds funny to say back to back, but like they're not going to come to him in two years if if this similar thing is happening. Be like, mm, got to fire the coordinators again. So, that we I can would move. say that's a fair like,
0: statement. Yeah. So
1: like, he's out of Mulligan's, right? Like, this is sure. this, it's on him now. Like, it's easy to right. have Grantham and Hevesy and mm-hmm. Savage or just whomever else fall on the sword, mm-hmm. but sure. the sword to fall on next will be Mullins. And sure. so, if you're a uh, somebody brought this up again, Gator's Beat, whether it was Dave or Nick or just Thomas Goldcamp or somebody uh, brought up the fact of like, um, it's going to be more difficult for Florida to hire because mm-hmm. coaches know that. Like, defensive coordinators right. know that. And so do I want to go into a place where I know that this is this coach's last string, right? Like, do I right. want to go get – because like you said, there's even uncertainty around – I think Florida wins out, right? It right. wouldn't shock me if they lose either of the last two games. But I do think Florida wins out. Um, there's uncertainty around Mullen's job this so, year don't I don't out. think so, they
0: make any hires until the season's over. You're not, you're not making a hire right before the Florida state game I'm, and then losing that and getting and fired, fired. That would
1: correct. That. But that, and so my point is, but the same thing is going to exist next year. If sure. Florida goes six and six next year, do you want to be the DC that so, takes the job? I mean, and then that's your last, you know, it would have been much easier to hire a DC these, two years ago. Like, it Mullen I think it, so I think it, I think it will be tougher to make a higher Mullen needs to hit a home run on this hire. And I don't think you hit a home run with a retread, like the old guys that we were talking about that can't relate to these kids anymore. I think you need a new up and coming guy and a new up and coming guy is a risk every time it's, yeah, it's a, it a, it is. Sure. Is going to work or not. And so I think that's going to make it pretty tough on UF as well.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. Money talks. Florida has a lot of it. And with Grantham's contract up, they have a lot, a lot of money. They were paying him a lot of money as Florida's defensive coordinator. I do think you go after a young and up and coming guy because let's let, you know, let's take Belk, for example. The defensive coordinator from Houston jumps at the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator at Florida, even if it's for just one year, in my opinion, much bigger stage, much more money, your next job, after Florida, even if you get fired after a year, isn't going to be back at Houston. It's going to be another SEC, ACC, you know, Big Ten school. That is still an advancement of career for somebody like that, regardless of whether or not Mullen is there. But I agree with what you're saying. It's harder to hire when you don't have to the stability. I hope that Strickland will be a part of this process. I hope I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that Florida has not heard anything of about him or excuse me, from him publicly for the last month in support of Mullen, because I do think that that's important
1: from him in the last month since they they haven't basketball stuff. He's He's been hiding from that.
0: They haven't. And I think the hiding truly has far more to do with that than it has anything to do with Mullen. But I think it's unfortunate that they coincided because I really do think had he come out right away and, and, stood up in defense of Mullen that people would have quieted down a little bit. It wouldn't have necessarily changed everything, but I can't tell you how many Gator fans told me, well, you know, Strickland's totally still deciding. He hasn't said anything. So we need to make sure that he knows how we feel. And I feel like that this, this made it, even harder on Mullen unnecessarily because Strickland's hiding out potentially over the women's basketball stuff. But I hope that he will be involved in this process and give some sort of vote of confidence, at least to the um, final candidates that that will be interviewed. But you're right. It's a hard sell, but it's still Florida. They're about to open a bajillion dollar standalone football facility. They're in the most talent rich state in the entire country. They have A lot of money at their disposal. I don't think it's an impossible hire. This isn't USF trying to hire a defensive coordinator, you know, Charlie Strong's last year or something like that. This is still the University of Florida. They'll get someone. Mullen is incredibly important for Mullen to make the right hire. And it is hard. And I do think that a young guy is the right thing. But you're you're right. It's It's a crapshoot. It's harder than it could be, for sure. It's harder than it could have been. I think that that's true, but I honestly think that there's also probably a part of coaches that will admire the loyalty, um, yeah, but they know I'm interested to see who they get. They know they're
1: not getting fired by the head coach. They're getting fired by the AD in a year or two, <laughs> well, um, so it will be interesting to see like what UF can kind of do on the stretch. Obviously, we expect them to win pretty big on Saturday, um, but it will be interesting to see their effort, effort level. How much do they, you know, how much do they care? They had a tough time getting up for a South Carolina game on the road, fun environment. Um, Yeah. You know, and show up this weekend for a, is it a noon kick? I don't know exactly what time the Sanford game is, but uh, for a game that very little people care about, and I can't imagine the the kids care about either. How do you get up for it? Do you kind of take the, you know, we, we wonder this about, uh, you know, FSU as well, when they've gotten, when they've had, Bad losses and stuff, how would they get up for it? I mean, Florida State did a good job of going out and beating UMass's brains in and, and playing well in that game. And, and that's really what UF needs this weekend. And then, yeah. you know, to kind of pray like heck to win the last two and try and make a bowl game. Um, Florida State played NC State. We took a whole hour on the Gators just because of their uh their calamity, their catastrophe. I feel good though. Are.
0: Got some stuff off my chest. I feel good.
1: Um <laughs> oh. But uh, Florida State played NC State this weekend. Some similar struggles with guys not being able to practice the flu and and different things. Um, Ended up losing that game 28 to 14. They were down 14 to nothing and kicked an onside kick to start the second half. Um, Got that back, scored a touchdown, gave up a touchdown, but then made it 21 to 14 and had the ball a couple of times. Just could not get down the field um, to end up tying it up. NC State scored a touchdown late to make it 28-14 and ended up winning by that score. Uh, Florida State was in yet another close game in the fourth quarter. Just can't find a way right now to get over that hump and win. Um, but, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of takeaways other than the fact they're remaining competitive. They did it this week without their starting quarterback, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, we talked about in the last um, couple of years Florida State has not won a game that Jordan Travis did not either start or take over and play significant snaps. They've won seven games over the last two years, and he either started or was in each of those pretty heavily. Um, they are three and six this year. They're three and three with him as a starter. Um, those three losses coming against in Notre Dame, who is ranked, um, Clemson, and NC State, who's also ranked. So they play Miami this weekend. Uh, Big Miami's one. A, Miami's a two and a half point favorite, um, and comes in after a couple of wins. Miami was kind of like you know we've gone from uh, you know Miami starting as the biggest crap show of the year to then Florida State being the biggest crap show of the year. I, I think that the pressure is kind of off of. Uh, I think Florida is the team that people are talking about the most right now. Is like what the heck is going on? But at they one have the time they had throw
0: this to fall. To be fair.
1: I don't think anybody was sh- is shocked right now that Florida State's three and five. I don't think right. anyone shocked that um, Miami's five and four. I mean, I think they mm-hmm. kind of thought Florida State would be slightly under average. I think Miami being just above average. But, yeah, Florida State – I'm sorry, Florida. You know, some people pick Florida to win every single game. But Florida being right. fighting for a bull uh, yeah. is, is not what I think Unexpected. people expected.
0: Uh, Miami
1: at one point was four and I'm sorry two and four they've since won their last three games Uh, all one score games they beat NC State by one they beat Pitt by four and they beat Georgia Tech by three they I mean the math on that is eight points so they've literally won the last three games by a combined one score yeah Um, they make games a lot tougher than they should be they they lost the two games before that on a couple of uh kind of last second plays. They lost to UVA 30 to 28 and then they lost to UNC 45 to 42. So their last 5 games have been what's that? 2 and 5 is the combined 13 points separate them and their opponents. Um I I do think they find a way to beat Florida State this weekend, but I do think it'll be a good game. I think that Tyler Van Dyke has been really really good throwing the ball as as their quarterback. Um but their defense isn't very good. So I think we'll be able to run the ball on them a little bit, but I think that they're just a little bit better. But if Florida State can win this game, I think they win out. I think this is the toughest game left on the schedule. I do think – I saw a projection the other day. You think
0: the Miami game is a tougher game than Florida for you?
1: Yes. Dude, I think it's more of a matchup thing. I know I said that about UNC as well, and then we ended up beating them, so maybe I'll just be right again on I'm going to say this every week. There you go. I think – Yeah, because I think Miami, that Van Dyke kid is really good. He's come in and um, he's got 15 touchdowns and four interceptions, almost 2,000 yards in like the five games he's played. He's been really, really good throwing the ball. And I think that's our biggest weakness is being able to stop good passing attacks. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he's a, no, I don't think he's a better quarterback right now than Emory Jones is. He's a better quarterback right now than Anthony Richardson is throwing the ball. And so Emory or Anthony running on us doesn't, Worry me as much. Watch what both of them will go for seventy-five yard touchdowns. I said that, but uh, that doesn't worry me as much. I don't. God's ears. I don't think that Florida is going to be able to just pass all over us, and I I think Miami will. And I think that's kind Mm -hmm. of what will. What will be our downfall is we need a we need a a Florida type game where where they run the ball, where they want to use clock, and we do the same thing, limit possessions, and then have. I think Miami is going to have like. 12-ish possessions to our, you know, and do, you know, make us go out there and continue to put points up and put points up and put points up. And that's where I think we'll fall. So, yeah, I think that uh, the Miami game is one that is slightly tougher. I saw a both. Pro- I mean, let's get your take on that. I don't know how much you've watched Miami lately, but they've beaten two ranked teams in the last three weeks and Florida's kind of floundering. I saw a projection that had Miami and Florida playing each other in the Gasparilla Bowl. Here in Tampa, <sighs> that'd be fun. That would uh, be fun. Do you uh, – I think I'd pick Miami in that. Like right now, I just think that Miami's trending up and Florida's trending down. Yeah, I mean, I mean based we'll, on the we'll trends, be, I could – We'll see what our last three weeks kind of hold. But I think yeah. I think Miami would be I, – I, I'm picking them to beat Florida State. I think they'd beat Florida too. Um, Florida could come out and win their next three weeks and Miami could lose the next three and then I'd probably change mm-hmm. my take on that. But uh, right. Yeah, I mean, so, I think it would
0: be a ball game, and I don't think that's something we would have said at the beginning of the season. Um, I think it would I think it'd be a ball game.
1: I think that uh, – I know you don't want to say it, but I think Miami would win. You just want to say it and make you feel bad?
0: No, no I'm
1: good. Um, all right. So I think Florida State ends up losing this game, and I don't think they cover. We'll get into some picks here in just a second. But I'd love to be wrong about this. I think it will help that Jordan Travis is back, supposedly back, but I don't think it will be enough. Um, but he's been tweeting and practice and full participant in practice, things like that, that I think he'll be back, but we'll need some breaks to go our way. This would kind of, this is like our uh, Kentucky game. Like you guys had Kentucky. This is, this is kind of where this is for us. So it's going to be a close, but no cigar. Um, All right, let's do some picks. Oh, do we want to recap last week? We we do. do. I don't think we do. I don't think you do. We <laughs> both took Ole Miss to beat Liberty by nine and a half, and we were both right about that. Um, man, Liberty really let me down because they lost by 14 or 13, I think, but they had so many turnovers in the first half, and then they got it close in the second half and then just yeah. could like, get over the hump. Couldn't close the door. But they, man, you know how tough those SEC teams are, you know, scraping by them with Liberty. Uh, we both took Florida State. I don't know what you were thinking there, but uh, – NC State ended know. up winning that by quite a few. Uh, that was much. We did this show much earlier in the week.
0: Yeah, we, we didn't did. know anything about them being sick.
1: Um, although that didn't come out till Saturday, anyway. So I guess we wouldn't have. Yeah. It. But that's true. Um, we both took Wake Forest, who did beat North Carolina. Um, Wake was an underdog there. We both took wait Wake one, right? Am I crazy? On Wake one,
0: I thought they they were in jeopardy, right? But they won.
1: Wait, wait, I could have got that wrong. Okay, well. No, Wake um, lost to UNC, and they didn't cover uh, the spread, so we both got that wrong. So that actually five, three, and this is six. So this. I don't is know why I thought they won. Thirty-two, thirty-nine, twenty-seven. Ugh, it just gets it gets worse for both of us. Um, we both took Bama, that ended up not being a good pick. LSU kept that really really close. Mm-hmm. That vaunted uh, Bama team that you guys beat, pounded your chest about losing to. I mean, LSU has so, had
0: that- top recruiting classes every year since you know for the last. 15 years. So it's not surprising. There's a ton of talent on that team. There's more talent on that team than anybody else in the entire country outside of uh, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. And Ohio State, maybe. But those are the top five.
1: I don't know about that. I mean, look at recruiting classes. It's absolutely true. Is the Alabama loss you guys' best win of the year? No. What's That's Florida's such a best stupid win? question? What's Florida's best win this year?
0: Probably Tennessee. at this point Tennessee.
1: The standard is moved, I think. Uh, Texas A&M beat Auburn. I took Jimbo, you took Auburn. Auburn didn't work out very well. We both took Tennessee and they won.
0: Mm-hmm. You took
1: UF, that didn't go mm-hmm. the right way. And then I yeah. took Clemson, you took Louisville. So I went 5 and 3 on the week, you went 6 2 and 6. Takes us I am 34 and 32, and you are 27 and 37. 27 and 37. 39. Sorry, I went the wrong way with that. 27 and 39. You need a big comeback here, like 12 games back. You need to hit Oof. all five of these. Six of these. Um, Pittsburgh is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against UNC. That game's tonight, Thursday night game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like Thursday night games, right? they have something uh, fun to focus on, but I don't know. Tell me the spread again.
1: Pittsburgh's a six-and-a-half-point favorite against uh, North Carolina.
0: No. Mm. Give me North Carolina.
1: I know how you think they're one of the better teams in college football, so I definitely understand why you would take them. I'll take Pittsburgh just so we can be different. Okay. I just wrote the wrong letter next to each name, so good job on that. Uh, Michigan is a point-and-a-half favorite at Penn State. Um, Michigan's ranked number eight right now. This is an interesting one for sure, Yeah,
0: which we didn't talk about this, but did you see where Michigan was ranked ahead of Michigan state in the, uh, playoff? And they said it's because they're a more complete team except Michigan state just beat Michigan. So I don't know how, oh. like I test somehow carries more weight than like actual outcome, but here we are and give me Penn state.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll go opposite you again. I think Penn State probably wins here, but I just want to not go with what you go with. Your bad luck. Um, Georgia is a twenty-point favorite against Tennessee. I like Georgia here.
0: Um, give me Tennessee. I Texas- don't think Tennessee wins, but I think there's possibility they keep it closer.
1: Texas A&M is a two and a half point favorite at Ole Miss. Uh, give me Ole Miss. I like Ole Miss here too. I can't go different from you on this one. Um, Wake is a two-point favorite against North Carolina State. That's at mm-hmm. Wake Forest.
0: Give me NC State.
1: I think I'm going to go Wake here. I think their offense is just a little bit better. And it puts them over the hump. Um, Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point underdog to Miami. I like Miami here.
0: I like Miami as well.
1: Dang, I was hoping you'd go opposite so I could get another one on you. Um, I'm excited for next week. I'm excited um, to get back on here and see how much Florida has just absolutely flipped a switch and how everybody on social media will be back on the. Is there PCM anything the you channel. got
0: out of what I said that th- that made you think that I think a flip, a switch is going to be flipped?
1: No, I don't.
0: Okay. I'm just making sure that wasn't what you got out of what we just talked about for an hour and eight minutes.
1: I'm just hoping that a flip has been switch or a switch has been flipped. If I can speak. Um, I'm a big Dan Mullen fan. I hope he's there for like the next 10 years. Like I, have you know what? I know that Mar- you
0: say that. I do hope he's there for the next 10 years. I think he is Florida's coach next season. And I'm excited to see what hires are brought in.
1: Yeah. I think that, uh, I'm just like, you guys were happy that Rick stayed there forever. I think that we're happy that, uh, Mullen's going to be there forever. So, um, excited to, to see that team take turn a corner. Um, and then we could do like two weeks of Florida FSU preview. If I'm telling you, Florida State beats Miami this weekend. I'm gonna tell a lot of lies about us beating you guys. So Okay, I'm here uh, for that. So, all right, cool. Well, thanks for those that hung out and listened to Allie <laughs> lie about her team and uh listen to me tell the truth about what's really going on. So we'll see you guys I'm next okay. week. <laughs> Have a great <laughs> rest of your week and enjoy the games on Saturday. Go not
0: go gators.